Hey, it's Matt. Welcome to Money Lab. Today, I want to talk about how I designed a stress-free business and how I'm going to continue to run that business in 2024. And this all comes from a sort of exodus from the world of media that I've been seeing recently. I subscribe to this newsletter called The Published Press, and one of the trends that I see this year, or what, sorry, not that I see, that they saw this year, is the downsizing of creator teams and creator content and all this stuff, because a lot of these creators uh, grew, or at least from my perspective, grew a lot during the pandemic, because again, what the hell else were we supposed to do? Just stay online. And what happened was, I think they, they got really big, really fast. And then some of those creators, the ones that have quit, have realized that like, you know what? Running a business kind of sucks. Creating content is awesome. And I saw uh, a video from Matt Diavella where he interviewed Ali Abdal and he was talking about how he basically hired a team to run the business and then he can c- create content. And Matt Diavella scaled his team up to like eight people And then ended up scaling back down to just himself because it was way too stressful. And then I saw creators like Matt Pat and Tom Scott basically leave YouTube and stop creating. You've seen people like Emma Chamberlain stop creating. uh, But they have businesses to focus on. And then I just saw a video this morning from Kevin of Epic Gardening, who I know. And he is not um, scaling back the content, he's just scaling back his involvement in the content. Uh, So again, focusing more on the business side of things, I think, and the enjoyment of gardening. Now, this is really uh, interesting to me because this is something I think about almost every single week, is the idea of running a business and not getting stressed out about it and not uh, making it your entire life. And so one of the things that I have no, I mean, look, the, the, the bottom line is, is I've been in this industry for a very long time, or at least I've run my own business for a long time. And I've seen people come and go, and I have been here so long that it feels like there are classes of people. So you know how like you're in high school and you're a freshman and that's your class and then you come up, you go through four years together, all kind of in the same position and then at the end of that four years, you all move on and graduate and, you know, go to college and all different places and move on to different things. In the world of online business and online entrepreneurship and authority sites, niche sites, SaaS, all of this stuff that are all sort of related, I've noticed that there are the same thing. It's we have these classes and I feel like my class started in 2008. That's when I feel like I was a part of something, a movement and four years went by and then everyone left and kind of did their own thing or stopped their, you know, sold their company, stopped their company, uh, moved on to a different company and kind of went, you know, shot away from the public whatever it was. And in that class, I never felt like I was the valedictorian or the popular kid. I always felt like, 
the class clown with just enough friends, and, but not really, you know, popular. And so I kind of coast it through high school in this, in this um, analogy. And then I stayed around. <laughs> so like I'm still doing the same thing I've always done. And I've just done it a lot slower and a lot more sustainably than a lot of other people. And I'm grateful for those choices. Now, those choices, some of them were intentional and other times they were accidental. But what I've sat down and designed right here is a two-stage process of my business, two, two parts of my business, and then ways that I've designed them to be stress-free for me, okay? Now, uh, this is all on the heels of like all this news that I'm reading about people sort of quitting or whatever you want to call it. I call it burnout. I definitely, it feels like burnout. And again, this is, this comes in waves. This is like, it feels like every three to four years, you know, we get, we see this buildup of hustle culture and everyone, you know, gets really excited and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, and it's like breath and we're done. Like it's senior year, like let's fuck off. Let's do some, you know, like it just, it has this like constant cycle, right? There's ups and downs and ups and downs. And I feel like somebody who has just kind of coasted through that, you know, and I've certainly had my peaks and valleys, but hey, here I am, 2024. I've started Swim University in 2006 and I'm still doing this shit, all right? So I want to set, I want to break it down into two sections of my business. First one is monetization. So we'll talk about that and all the points. I have these written on my whiteboard here. The second part is marketing. So the double M's, baby. And that's the only two things that my business is. It's basically like, how do I make money? And how do I tell people to buy things so that I make that money? Essentially how it boils down, okay? And, and these are things that, these are good decisions that I've made that have kept my life and business relatively stress-free and sustainable for all these years. And I hope that there is something to be gained from this. And if you have any questions or you want me to dive a little bit deeper in any of these specific topics, please email me, matt at moneylab.co. So getting into it. First and foremost, section number one, monetization. Let's talk about the big thing on the list. Now, there are a lot of people who decided to monetize their websites with ads. I was one of those people, but I quickly went, this sucks, and I stopped doing it. The reason why I thought it sucked was because I was constantly on the phone and constantly selling ads. And... I was constantly dealing with new customers and they were breathing down my neck and it felt like I was working for the man. Now, there are other ways to do this. I could have used something like Mediavine or Zoic or whatever the hell's out there now. But I didn't because I was like, well, my, my site's going to look like shit and I just hated it and didn't feel relevant to my audience and whatever it, the case is. And so the reason I'm glad I didn't choose that is because I would have felt like I was on a hamster wheel and would have eventually led to burnout. And I know this because I know YouTubers who were like, the only way they were making money with their YouTube channel was through sponsored, you know, sponsored content. And it's like, when you, when you work, that's working for someone else. You have a client, they expect you to, deli- to deliver a product every single week. And if you don't deliver that product, their stress builds up. 
right? And you're on this timeline and you're on these deadlines and it becomes a problem. So I didn't like doing that because that's the same thing we dealt with. So instead, what I've done is I started, I created a course or in, well, the first thing I did was I created an ebook, right? Then I created a second ebook and then I turned those ebooks into courses and then I've created multiple courses since then. So what I call that is build once, sell forever, right? There, it's not the, the sales of that product are not dependent on if I can bring traffic or if I can bring views to any specific, one specific piece of content. So I'm not, I'm not beholden to that as my product. The, the content that I create is not my product. My product is my product, okay? Build once, sell forever. That's stress-free because I'm not constantly building. Now, I think about the SaaS world and I go, well, that's one product, but it's not build one, sell forever. It's you're constantly building it. You're constantly building it. You're constantly selling it. And I was in SaaS. So I thought, oh, this is a great, you know, it's like, it's way scalable. And yes, it is scalable. But the more customers that you have, the more, and the the bigger the product gets, the more customer service, the more, you know, engineers you're going to need to keep that. So you're not building it once. You're always building. You're constantly building. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And in my case, that's not what we've done. We've, that's not the part of the business that we scaled. Okay, we created one product and we're going to sell that product forever. And not over and over again to the same person to new people all the time. So there's no uh, subscriptions that we're dealing with. Which, is a, which I believe is part of why we don't have the customer service problems that a lot of other companies have because they're selling a very complex product that people are paying monthly for and you have these churns and you have all these other issues that come into play. Not that it's a bad business model, it's just, you know, for me, not exactly stress-free, okay? Second thing is how it's delivered, Okay? So we sell courses and we also sell chemicals, okay? Both of those, one is digital delivery, so it's, and the other one's automated. So both are essentially automated delivery, meaning that when an order comes in, I physically do not have to package anything and ship it. I just pay a company to do that for me. That's it, okay? In the sense of, you know, digital products, I pay Podia or Zapier or whatever to package and ship. And for the uh, physical products, I use a company called Flexport that used to be called Deliver with two R's that used to, <laughs> was bought by Shopify and then sold to Flexport. But that company is a network of three PLs and that company automates the delivery. So when it comes to the product, I build it once and then I automatically ship it forever and I, don't, and I don't have to be the one to ship it. So we don't have a store where we're packing and shipping ourselves. I don't have to manage people in a warehouse to package and ship. That's done automatically for me. Okay? So that's another 
good decision. <laughs> you know, costs more, but stress-free. The third thing is embeddable products in the marketing section. So we're going to get to marketing, but the marketing allows me to embed the products so that they sell automatically with the marketing. Okay. That's pretty generic because that's pretty much everything. But let me give you an example. If I were to create a billboard, if I, if my, if my marketing, one of my marketing channels was billboards, there is no way to embed that product into the billboard unless you're driving and you have a QR code, like, yeah, talk about a bunch of people getting a car accidents, but that would be the sim- a similar thing. And then, but there's so many steps to that. Whereas why it's stress-free for me is because I get to create my marketing and inside the marketing is the quickest ability to buy that thing. So it doesn't require an extra step like, hey, we're going to send something to their house and we're trying to convince them to get in their car and come to our store, right? Or we're trying to convince them to, you know, scan a QR code and come to, you know, we're not doing that. We're doing everything online. And so everything's embeddable. So if that makes sense, I'm only comparing that to a traditional business. Okay. uh, Another thing in monetization that I believe is stress-free is we have one sales funnel. That's it. Meaning we have one funnel goal. And that one funnel goal is getting people to take one singular action. And if we can get that, if we can accomplish that one singular action to happen, then the next part of this will all take care of itself. The automation of the business will all take care of itself. In our case, and this took a long time to finally understand and to finally go, this makes it really simple and really stress-free and very, and it makes all of our marketing way more targeted, which is we have one thing that we want you to do. We have one CTA. And for us, that is to down, that is to like enter your email address to download a free cheat sheet in our case, right? Now, the incentive may change, but the goal remains the same, which is get their email address. Get them locked into email. That is where we make our money, okay? So because we have one funnel goal, it means all of our YouTube videos have one ask, and it's the same ask every single time. All of our social media content has one ask, and it's the same ask every single time. All of our blog posts, all of our marketing channels, and all of our content have one ask. And it's all embedded right into the content. And then finally for monetization, the way this all gets put together is automation through email. Where we do our selling, for the most part, because we do have public selling, but all of our selling is done behind or via email. So once you've subscribed, that's when you start to see sales pitches. Now there are sales pitches on our site because, hey, why not? Hey, our products are here, we embed them. You know, if you wanna just buy them, impulse, great. Like, we'll take that. That's no effort for us. That's, you did all the work, right? That would be like, 
All right, that would be you walk into a store and the store is completely empty, right? Or I'll give you a better uh, analogy. When you walk into a car dealership, you can't just walk into a car dealership and pick a car off the shelf, get in it, and drive away. You can't do it. You have to talk to a salesperson, right? So in this case, we, we're saying, hey, you have two options. What we want you to do is talk to the salesperson, which would, for us is the analogy of we want you to sign up via email. Or if you just want to pick a car, get in it, and drive off the lot and just give us your credit card, you can do that too. I, we don't care. Like we, didn't, we really didn't have to sell you. You were already sold. Good. Then our marketing worked. Okay? So that is almost completely automated, what I said there. I built something once, right? So let's, let's say it's a book. You write a book. You did it once. And all you have to do is sell that book forever. Sounds doable as long as that book is evergreen, right? That's, and not every business model is going to work this way. Not every niche is going to have this, you know, I, you know, but you might be able to find something in that. But think about it that way. It's like, okay, what can I build once and then constantly keep selling? Now you might think, oh, it's uh, a membership site. That's way better because I could sell it forever. Here's where I got a little bit tripped up on membership sites. So membership sites or a membership, a subscription, whatever it is. It's not, it, it's not a build one, sell forever. Because again, you have to constantly build. Because then what's the reason that they stay? Now, if it's a tool, like a service, right? You know, SaaS, right? You have to keep improving that service and keep creating new features and keep, you know, get, making sure people stay on your subscription. Like that is a constant job, right? And it's all behind the scenes. None of it's really front end marketing stuff. The consistency there is all behind the scenes. It's product development over and over and over again, right? If you have a membership site, like I have with Money Lab Pro, I have to show up every single week behind the paywall and create content in order for you to stay. If you're Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus or anything, you have to constantly create content, right? It's not marketing, it's the product. You also have to do marketing, which is also consistent. So to me, subscription models, if you're the one, if you're, if you're you know, and, and part of the stress-free business is keeping the team small, which I have it in a second. But if the team's small, you have to focus on where you're going to be most effective. And for me, when I think about the build one, sell forever, I'd rather think more in the sell forever part because the sell forever is where the consistency lies. So in this particular model, all of the time is on one side, 80-20, right? 20% building, 80% selling. But if you're a SaaS company or you're a membership site, it's 50-50, right? You have to always be building and always be selling. So I think that's where I see the distinction. Now, I challenge me on that, but that's kind of how I see it. And I'm, I'm 
way better at building a product once and then going great. Now, does that mean I don't in, you know, improve that product? No, of course you want to improve that product, but I don't have to do it consistently. I could do it. I mean, shit, I've been selling the same course since 2017 because it's evergreen. Now, if I was selling the same course at, at Money Lab Pro and it was about, and I was using software, well, I may need to update that. But really, I should have, I should have created a system uh, course that didn't rely on software so that it was evergreen and I could build it once and the, and the concepts are timeless so that I could sell it forever, right? All right. So that's monetization. And I hope that that's, I hope that makes sense. So again, just to kind of uh, recap, build once, sell forever, automated digital delivery. Make sure that those products are easily click and buyable in your, in your marketing effort, which we'll talk about next. Make sure you have one single funnel goal so that every single piece of content you create, it makes it easier to decide on the content because you go, well, if we make this content, is it going to, is it, is it, is the person that's going to be watching this, the person who's going to sign up for our thing or no? If the answer is no, we're not making it. And then finally, we're going to do all of our selling in email and that's completely automated because email is basically automated at this point. All right. And we can dive more into the email automation thing. I think, uh, that's actually, I have to do the episode at some point. Talk about that. All right. The second part of my business, which is, which uh, is technically the sell forever part is marketing. Now, marketing is a big old term that has a lot of little things underneath it, okay? So some of the things that are underneath it are, you know, improving conversion rates, it's customer service, it's running, it's, it's promotion, right? It's running ads, it's, you know, designing a better ex- user experience, there's, there's a lot of things that go into marketing, right? It's branding, all of that stuff, right? But I'm going to break it down into things that I think are the real big pieces of it, or at least for our business, for, for Swim University, okay? So for marketing for us, that's content marketing specifically, and it's consistent. So consistent content, and that's the sell forever part, okay? It's also the brand part. And that is where I think the sustainability really lies. So as an example, my product is not the content. I do not make content on a consistent basis in the hopes that I can sell it. Meaning getting a sponsor, right? My, my content doesn't have to be a winner every time. It just has to be consistent. It's, it's, it's constantly being put out there as, hey, we're here, sign up for our thing. Hey, we're here, sign up for our thing. You know, and we do that in the form of content because content is essentially free to do, right? We can publish on social media, we can publish on YouTube, we can publish on our website, all pretty inexpensive, you know, or at least we don't have to pay to be there. 
I guess hosting, but other than that, I mean, it's nominal, right? And we have to create those things, but that's what we do, okay? That's all we do. And in our case, we are doing two articles a week, one YouTube video a week, three social media reels a week, plus sprinkled, you know, static posts as we create content, okay? We also send weekly emails. It's also part of that, okay? Three people handle all that. So that's the majority of our, of our existence is just in that. It's just a con, you know, consistent content, which is a form of promotion under marketing. Another thing that we do, and, and, and we're not doing like a shitload of content. We're just doing enough that we can handle as a team and we're out there, okay? That content, by the way, sells our Build Once product. The other thing that we do is, I, this is something new that I started doing, was weekly CRO, which is, means conversion rate optimization. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, it, it, so every week I A-B test the headline for our one funnel goal or our you know, sales pages or our email automations. I just test one headline, one image a week, very slowly, consistently, only with the goal to improve our conversion rates. That's all. Sometimes it works. Very rarely. <laughs> I would say 99% of the time it doesn't work. But then that 1% could work. Maybe gain an extra half a percent or a percent. That's huge. Okay. Also, I want to I point out too, consistent content compounds for us. Every article that we publish on our website just puts us, you know, in a position on Google and keeps getting us traffic. And the more we put out there, the more traffic we get. And then that traffic begets more traffic because people tell their friends and, you know, word of mouth, et cetera, et cetera. So to me, I can't find a better marketing idea, right? I just, yeah, you can do ads, and I have that on my list, but I mean, ads are, ads don't compound. Once you stop paying, they stop. The, the traffic, the, the, the fountain shuts off. If we stopped creating content today, we could continue to make money for as long as that content stays number one or is on YouTube and no one outcompetes the shit out of us. So we could last for years without publishing anything. Can't do that if you do ads. Once you stop, you're done, right? So that's another stress-free aspect of the business. The other thing is outsourcing customer service. So I, I know that there's a lot of creators out there who spend a lot of time in customer service because that's what happens when you sell a product. And fortunately, we sell an educational product that's very simple. And another episode that's coming up is I am going to brainstorm a bunch of ideas on how we can improve the customer experience across every part of our ecosystem. But that's coming soon. So what I mean by outsourcing customer service is the best thing that I ever did 
and I didn't even do this, but the best thing that we ever done as a company to limit the stress was to create a intense SOP for customer service. We have a large document. It's not that large. I'll say it's like maybe 10 pages. And it is exactly what to do for every single type of email that comes through. And we've been using that same SOP for six or seven years now. Maybe, 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 maybe six. And it just works. We can literally stick anyone in that position, give them the SOP, and, and customer service is not only taken care of, but it's outstanding. And that is something that Steph worked on. She sat in, in customer service emails for about a month, categorized every type of email that came in, and did an if else, you know, if a customer asked this, jump to this, this section, here's the template, here's what you're gonna send back, here's what you're gonna add, make sure that everyone is heard and make sure that anyone who emails us gets some sort of like benefit from emailing us, whether they're a customer or not, by the way. You, you don't even have to be a customer. And if you're not a customer, our customer service team tries to turn you into one. And that's where, that's actually a marketing thing for us. So that's pretty cool, right? And that's all, it's not, I wouldn't say it's automated, but it has been thought through and it has been systematized to the point where we literally could put anybody in that position and they can run, run with it. We also only have one way to contact us. We have one email address for the whole company, one email address, that's all. And everyone uses the same email address. So everything funnels to one place. There is not multiple email addresses to take care of. I don't actually know why companies do this. I think it's fucking stupid, to be honest. Because every time you hire somebody, you have to give them an email address, like a, like a company email address. I'm like, don't communicate within your company through email. That is not how you should do it. You should communicate, you know, you can use Slack, you can use Messenger, you can use in, internal, all kinds of internal chat systems that don't require an email address. And then you don't have all these different random email addresses out in the public and then people are contacting and what if that person doesn't work there anymore? Then you gotta you know, forward it to the next person and it just gets way out of hand, things get lost. In our case, we have one email address. That's it. Now we are a team of three people. If I was a team of 10 people, I still would not give anybody their, email ad- their own email address because I don't want that email address out in the public and I have to manage it and, and monitor it. And if that person who I hired decides to leave, it just becomes like, oh, we got to forward this to this. Who we forward this to? You know, it's like it becomes a problem. That might be something I think people don't think a lot about. But email gets out of hand and messy very fast. And just on that note, when an email comes in to our, like part of the SOP, by the way, email comes in, spam, Mark that shit as spam. Block that sender. Fuck them. Right? We get so many goddamn requests for like guest posts, linking. Just somehow somebody signs up our email from a bot, you know, 
on a list that we never, you know, it's like marketing emails, is like fucking spam. Done. Goodbye. Waste zero time on it. But it's all in the SOP. So I don't handle email. Currently, uh, we had a, so, God, we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, I've had two people do this customer service for us. Now we're on our third person. That's my brother. He's in the company. He's an employee. And so, yeah, uh, currently he just took over that SOP and no questions. Just like it is what it is. If it's not in there, it's not in there. And all of our templates for sending emails back to customers, it's all built into the platform. We use front. And, and all of the automated responses are built in. Another thing that we do, which is new, but I think really helpful, is we get a lot of the same questions. You know, how do I log into the thing? How do I do this? What do I, you know, it's, there's like three common things that happen, right, in our business. We identify those three things and we put together an automated email that goes out to anyone who emails us and basically goes, it says, I don't have it in front of me, but it basically says, hey, thanks for reaching out to us. We're going to do our best to get back to you as soon as possible. However, if you're having trouble with, you know, whatever, here are three of the most common things that we're having trouble with. And we basically outline them with links to where to go. That solves like 75% of the problems, at least for customers. Or we go, you know, hey, we might not be able to get back to you if you have a, you know, maybe you're not a customer and you have a question about, I don't know, something with your pool, which we get a lot of, right? And we've deterred people from asking us that as much as we could. We don't tell people, hey, email us if you have questions about your pool. We just don't say that. We don't use that in our marketing. But some people find our email address and they want to email us. And obviously I send out emails through that email address and people respond to those emails, even though I never ask them to, but sometimes they do, right? And those people, we go, look, hey, we found out that most people don't even know that, that we have an article covering their topic on our website. Like most people don't know that, okay? So what we do is we just send an email. It's like, by the way, if you, if you're, if you have an issue with your pool or you have an issue with your hot tub, here's our search page. Like we probably already answered it. You know, also check out our YouTube channel. There's a ton of content there. Like most people don't even know we have those things. So it becomes a source of marketing as well. Okay. I also have ads. Now this is a new thing, but I told, I mentioned earlier that yes, ads. Um, by the way, if you hear this like engine running in the background, that's a glycol chiller. I've, it's, it's going to be running a lot more on this show. So. If you hear it, don't be alarmed. I'm in a garage. I'm trying to get a new chiller that's way quieter than this one. It's very loud. It's like an exposed refrigerator. Anyway, so ads, I said earlier, if you stop running them, there goes everything. And that's true. However, one of the things that I've been trying to do is go, look, we're, we're doing organic, consistent content. We're doing that, right? Sometimes that content does really well, Okay. Well, let's use ads to amplify it then. If it's doing so well, let's use ads to amplify it. And let's use ads to embed our one funnel goal to our products. 
which we can't always do on our, on our organic content. We can't embed a CTA or else if we did that, they wouldn't, you know, our consistent content wouldn't go viral as often because we're constantly pitching in all of our content. But the ones that do well, let's, let's slap a button on that, you know, and let's, let's see how it does with some, with some cash behind it, with some, you know, lighter fluid on the fire. That's, and that's a consistent, slow way to do ads. We're saying we're not, we're not, we don't have a dedicated team to just running ads. We say, did, it, did this content do well? Great. Make it, throw some money behind it. See what happens. Consistent, slow, just like our weekly CRO stuff, right? <sighs> Stress-free, no team management. How the hell did we accomplish this? So I am, I've worked with uh, writers, you know, just contract writers who need to be managed. You know, that's, I've done that. And I hated it because I was like, oh, I'm a manager. It sucks. <laughs> like I'm not doing the work. I'm managing people, which to some people is work. But to me, it sucks because I like working in the business, not on the business or not in a skill set that I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be a manager. I want to be a business owner. So I'm like, okay, how do I limit the management of people? How do I hire a duplicate me? I don't need to be managed. How do I hire a duplicate me? Turns out that's very expensive. But, and I've heard this uh, from Alex Hermosi, which I was like, as soon as I heard it, I was like, I feel like I knew that. But it feels good to hear it from someone else, which is hire, you, you hire a players. So I don't hire a bunch of like essentially robots who need management all the time, who are not skilled. They're just trying to make their dollar. I hire a players rocks. I call them rock stars. Okay. But it means that I, ha- I don't have enough money to hire a giant corporation of rock stars, which is good in my case. I only have enough to hire a handful. Okay? But they don't need to be managed by me because they are themselves their own boss. Over t- so th- I did this once, and it was the best hire I ever, I ever had. And I was looking for an editor-in-chief, and I put together uh, a really long document of like a survey with a bunch of questions to kind of filter out who I think would be good in this position. One person out of 27 who filled it out was really good, got on a Zoom call with her, and I was like, you're freaking hired. I didn't even have a price in mind. I was like, what is your, I, don't, I will pay you what you need to be paid. Because that's what I was looking for. I was looking for somebody to just do the fucking work and be smarter than me and just be their own boss. And that's exactly what she did, right? Once I did that, I was like, oh, right. This is how it's, this is how it's done. This is how it's done. 
Now I imagine I've I've watched this video and this is I watched this video of a guy who is the head bartender at this really fancy New York, you know, famous people go there, this fancy bar. And I watched a video where he was like, this is what I do in a day. And I was like, holy shit, this guy does everything, everything. He's good at everything. And I swear to God, he's the only guy at the bar. Now, the bar has a capacity, a small enough capacity where one person can run it. A rock star could run it. If, if it wasn't him, it would take probably four to five people to run it. And that's the difference is you can spend, let's say, I'm just to use round numbers, $100,000 a year for somebody that can do the job of five. Or you can pay five people, you know, an average salary of $60,000 you know, $60, a year and they're all doing mediocre work. Well, it costs less money to hire the person who can do the job of five or 10. So I was like, how do I, and and that's how I feel as an employee. I can do the work of five to 10 people because I have multiple skill sets and that's, I've always felt that way. I don't just stick me into one position at a company. Like I am, I can be the director and, and I don't need any employees underneath me. I can, you know what, this is what I did. I designed all of our uh, magazine ads and our circular ads. I recorded all of our radio commercials. I filmed all of our television commercials. I designed all of the signage. I designed the website. I even designed software for the sales team. I put together sales campaigns. I did all of that work. One person, $40,000 a year. That's 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 what I was making. And that's what I did every day. Ran yellow page ads, wrote those. Did, all, did, did every single marketing that you could possibly think of by hand. That is a rarity. But they exist. It's just really hard to find. Now, turns out I married somebody <laughs> who was like me. Right? So... I was like, you gotta, you gotta, you know, let's work together. So I got, I wouldn't say lucky. I, the reason we're married is for that very reason. Or one of the reasons we're married is for that. And then my family has good work ethic. Always has. Why I'm the way I am. I hired my brother. He could do many things. In fact, he's doing customer service. And he's editing videos for Instagram and you know all that stuff. And I'm sure you do a lot more. I just haven't given to him yet. And of course, I could do a lot more as well. So with three people, we are doing the work of probably 15. All of us, all three of us can edit videos, which is crazy. And all three of us do edit videos. That's usually the job of one person. And that's all they're that's all they do. But all of us can actually do it. And really well. So that's, you know. Now some of us have, have strengths. But anyway, that's the no team management part. I don't have to go into it. But I strived not to be a team manager. 
which also means we don't have meetings. And I have that on the list. No meetings. We tried for six months where we were like, oh, okay, every month we're going to meet up and we're going to have a meeting. It was a two-hour waste of time. Because at the end of every meeting, I just was like, well, I feel like I have a lot to do because all we did was sit down and spitball a bunch of ideas and we, we, somebody's got to do them and everyone else is busy, so I guess it's me. I thought, no, 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 no. No. We don't need to have meetings if we all know exactly what we have to do every single week. Do your job and you're done. That's it. If you do your job, if you hit your quota, you did it. I, I don't care how long it, take, it takes you, honestly. I don't care. I like working, so I'll, do the, I'll go and do extra shit, you know? My brother just has to answer the emails and he has to publish three reels a week. If he doesn't, I don't care how long it takes. It takes you two hours, takes him five hours a week, 10 hours a week, great. Good for you, you figured it out. That's, and that's it, no more meetings. We, we know exactly, what, the business is simple. We're not trying to, you know, the, the only scaling we're doing, the only scaling that we're doing is we're gonna constantly create content which scales, which is scalable, and we're gonna build once more times. That's it. So, yes, we're gonna always create content, and every once in a while, maybe every six months or every year, we build something new or we improve something that exists. That's it, man. That the rest, and then obviously, like you know, because we're improving our email automation, we're improving our you know conversion rates. That's all being done consistently, slowly, throughout the year, by me, essentially. All right. Lastly, SOPs. SOPs, and I'm apologize if I've said that acronym and didn't explain it. It stands for Standard Operating Procedure. And all it really means is a process for how we do things, right? So let's give an example. You've listened, if you've been listening to the show long enough, there's an episode where I talked about my publishing checklist. That is an SOP. Whenever I create content, I follow the standard operating procedure for writing, editing, and publishing, and promoting that content every single time. And, and that SOP is constantly evolving and changing, but it is always there. If I, for some reason, can't fulfill my duties as the person in charge of that SOP, I could hand it to somebody else and they would be able to take it right over, know exactly what to do. We have the SOP for customer service. We have an SOP for publishing videos. We have an SOP for publishing social media content. That's it. SOPs. And we do that with Loom and with Google Docs. And I do it for myself. Like if I have a task to do every week, there's an SOP. I've designed a little SOP for myself because even I don't remember everything. Even I need guidance each time, especially if I'm doing something once a month or once every quarter. I'm not going to remember the process. In fact, I have an SOP for how to update the website. 
Like there's a process in how to like, you know, create a, a staging site and update it and push it to Git. And then there's a process. I filmed it once and I've had to reference it several times because I might go six months without touching the website code. And then one day it was like, all right, well, I got a bunch of ideas piled up. Let me knock this out in a single day or let me spend a couple of days just doing website design updates. And I may have to go back and watch that standard operating procedure on how to do it because I literally forgot how. So I document all of that and I use Loom to do it. Super easy. Record your screen. I talk it through. And then I also try to, once I record the Loom, I'll try to write it down into steps. And I store that as a single task in Asana. So that's it. I design a stress-free business, which has two basically departments or two sections, monetization or how we make money, the business itself, and the marketing side of it. How do we promote those products? And how do we, you know, how do we promote the fact that we have things for sale? Build one, sell forever, automate that delivery system, embed your products into your marketing content, have one funnel goal, and then after that goal, automate the sales process via email. That's, what we ha- that's how monetization set up. It's basically hands-off. Once it's set up, it runs, and all we have to do over time is tweak it. And the way we tweak it is with marketing. We create consistent content. I do weekly conversion rate tests with A-B testing software. I use Crazy Egg at the moment. I outsource to customer service, so I'm not answering customer service. And the customer service department right now, my brother, does not have to think. He just has to follow the SOP, get it done. He only does it three days a week, by the way. It's not even like an everyday thing. And we don't get that many emails because we don't tell people to email us. That's it. We have ways to contact us, but we don't actively go out there in every single email and every single piece of content and go, email us, please. We want that customer service. No, we don't actively uh, you know, steer people away from it. But if you actually have a customer service request, you know where to go, you know who to contact. And I think that that's a, certainly room for improvement there. Even though it's already pretty good, I think we can make it even better. We turn our consistent content, the winners, into ads and we throw some fuel in the fire and see if we can push it a little bit harder. We don't manage each other. Each one of us has our own department and we only answer to ourselves. Chris and I will collaborate sometimes. Steph and I will collaborate sometimes. But ultimately, they just got to do what they got to do and they know exactly what they have to do. So we don't, I don't manage anybody and they don't manage me. So... No management between us. We're all isolated. And therefore, we have no meetings because we all know exactly what we need to do. And we know what we need to do because we have SOPs that tell us exactly what we need to do. That's how I designed a stress-free business. If you have any questions, email me, manatmoneylab.co. Bye.